This is the Transcend Human Podcast, a weekly show where we learn what it means to rise above the human condition. We hope the conversation today is just what you need for the week ahead. Yes, yes, yes. Good morning to you all. Welcome back to the Transcend Human Podcast. Great to have you with us. June 6, 2022. So welcome back. Um, We have been in a series of episodes called Transcending Woke. We'll just call it the Get Woke series. So if you have not even heard of this or you have no idea what's going on, uh, you might want to back up a couple weeks, start at the beginning, and uh, finish out this series. If not, if you've been here both weeks, then here we are, last week of the series. So I have had so much fun doing this. Uh, it's been it's been great. All right, minute of transparency this morning. So this one's going to be transparent. <laughs> this is going to be a little more raw than most because um, I really don't have one written which I normally I normally at least have an outline of, of what I want to talk about and what I want to say. But for some reason this week, I just, I, nothing came to my mind. So I skipped it. I went on, I did all my research. I wrote, you know, the entire episode and I just completely forgot about the minute of transparency. So I was laying in bed last night and I'm like, oh my goodness, I forgot to write that. I wonder what I could talk about. And then it came to me. So the title for today's Minute of Transparency is Going Home. So this is just a a story off the top of my head. It's going to be a little transparent because it's it's feeling a bit raw right now. Um, But this is a story about returning home. So I said at the top of the show that it's June 6th, Monday, um, but it's really not. Uh, That's when this launches, but it is actually Friday morning, June 3rd, uh, 7.38 in the morning, something like that. And I'm sitting here getting this done so that it'll be ready to go for Monday. And then in an hour or two, um, we'll finish up packing. Um, Later this afternoon, we'll jump on a plane and we'll fly to Midway uh, Airport, which is in Chicago. My wife, myself, uh, two of our kids. Uh, About the same time, my daughter in New York City will jump on a plane, um, and she will meet us at Midway. And uh, together, the five of us will jump in a rental car, and we will drive the rest of the way to Granger, Indiana, uh, which is where we spent a fair amount of our lives, where the kids were born, where they grew up. So why are we going back? Well, why do most people go back? weddings, right? So we'll get in late, late, late tonight, um, wake up in the morning, everyone will shower, get all dressed up and we'll go to a wedding. And then what else will we do? We'll spend some time in Chicago on Monday. Uh, we'll spend some time with family. We'll, we'll run the circuit and see some of our friends. Um, and yeah, it'll be, an extended vacation because, uh, you know, most people when they just fly to a wedding, it's for a weekend, right? Maybe hop on a plane Friday, do the wedding, uh, come back late Sunday night, first thing Monday morning, whatever. But we're going to stay the whole week. Um, 
a lot of friends, a lot of family in the area. So there's a lot to do. So I say that, I talk about this, I talk about going home um, because, like I said, I've, I've got some mixed emotions, a spectrum of thoughts and feelings, if you will. On the one hand, I'm excited, right? Um, when we lived in Granger, uh, we spent a lot of time with a couple families. And between the three, between the three families, there were seven kids. And we called these kids the McRuthenders because it was a combination of our three names. And it was just easier that way. You know, you could just yell at them, hey, McRuthender kids, get over here, that kind of a thing. Um, and these kids, I mean, they've done life together, right? They've grown up, they've done sports, they've gone to schools together. Uh, we've gone on family vacations together, all of those things. And so this wedding is, is an interesting um, phase or change in that relationship between those seven because this is the first wedding, right? It's the first one who's getting married uh, and kind of breaking out of the group of single kids that all hung out together. So that's fun. It's exciting. I can't wait to see that. Um, at the same time, you know, we get to see friends, we get to see family. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of people that we spend a lot of time with, so that's great. Um, but then there's there's also some of the other emotions, right? There's some some anxiety, some tension, some just I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. Then this is what I mean when I was talking about it being just very raw and very transparent because I don't know why, like, why isn't it just a hundred percent excitement, right? Why is there some of those, um, some of that anxiety and some of that just tension about going home? And the only thing that I can think of is, well, there's a couple of things. So first of all, traveling, I'm not, I'm not a huge traveler. That doesn't excite me. I don't find joy in, in the traveling process. Now that doesn't mean I don't it, uh, get excited about being somewhere, somewhere new, right? Like if I knew I was going to Hawaii or, or Cancun or, you know, somewhere where I, I knew we were going to spend a week with fun activities and exciting new adventures. Yeah, that's, I'm up for that. But, but I've never been a fan of the traveling piece of it. So maybe that's part of it. And then maybe there's, there's just a piece that, I don't even know what you would call this, um, but there's just some tension around relationships, right? Some relational tension that I think still exists. Uh, there were there were people that said some really mean things to us when we left, um, you know, for our own good, of course, right? <laughs> um, and I don't know that some of those uh, conversations have ever been had about those conversations we had when we left. So. So there's some of that, right? When you interact with people, when you, you know, go over to their house and spend some time with them, you know, you're just never sure if some of that stuff is going to come up. And so there's that tension, there's that concern that things, you know, might head in that direction. Um, and I'm, I'm conflict avoidant. So, you know, that's a big part of it as well. Um, and I suppose you could say, you know, you, you throw in the political and religious conversations, things like that. You know, just just like what happens when people go to Thanksgiving dinner, right, at, at families' houses, right? The, the fear that there be some big argument that breaks out or something like that. And I don't know, like, politically, I don't know that we're so far off uh, that there, you know, there's such a difference. 
um, in us and our friends and our family personally, as much as there is just, you know, Indiana is a very red state and California is a very blue state. And I think on the surface, people just look at that. They just look at that and they just assume that there's like this wide gap, this huge polarization between the people who live in each place. And so that assumption can obviously get you into trouble because you start making assumptions, you start saying things, you start inferring things. And then that leads to a conversation you have to have, a difficult one, right? Difficult conversations to navigate. So I think that's where the the feelings on the other side of the spectrum uh, come from. But who knows? We will see how it goes. And um, depending on what happens, who knows? It may become a episode on the podcast. So all good. All right. Like I said, so today's topic is Transcending Woke Part 3. Um, we're going to hit two topics today. The first is deconstruction, and the second is the transcendent spiral, which is basically us just finishing up our conversation about spiral dynamics. So here we go. Number one, deconstruction. So the whole point of this series we've been in um, has really been to do a deep dive in what it, into what it means to be woke, right? Because the, the term woke is really hitting its stride these days. It's become a cultural and political thing, to be sure. But early on, I suggested that there may also be a spiritual side of being woke, right? That being spiritually woke is a real thing, and quite possibly the most important out of the three. But if there was another word uh, or concept that kind of rivaled this idea of being woke recently, it would probably be the concept of deconstruction. And wouldn't you know it, there is a huge amount of overlap, at least I believe, um, between the word woke and the word deconstruction, or at least the ideas of each. Now, we've talked about deconstruction on the podcast before, not necessarily in this context, uh, more as a one-off concept, I believe. So if you're interested in that, um, head on back to episode 90. Uh, it was called The Transcendent Truth Path. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Uh, but for our purposes today, let's walk back through the info on deconstruction as it pertains to being woke. So step one, right? Let's do a Google search for the word deconstruction. And what do you see? The first thing that comes up in the results is a dictionary entry, of course, with this as the definition, a method of critical analysis of philosophical and literary language, which emphasizes the internal workings of the language and conceptual systems, the relational quality of meaning, and the assumptions implicit in forms of expression. Now, if you're like me, you're like, what? I don't even understand what you're talking about. Step two, go to dictionary.com, and they have a similar definition, only it's about three, four times as long, but still not what I expected to find. So let's find a simpler explanation. Uh, I found an article on literariness.org, which says it this way. Deconstruction involves the close reading of texts in order to demonstrate that any given text has irreconcilably contradictory meanings, rather than being a unified logical whole. So at its core, deconstruction is a philosophical tool, if you will, right? It's taking a book or a published work or a theory, and it's really dismantling it based on inherent contradictions 
Now, that was a bit easier to understand, but it's still not the definition I was expecting until I realized that I probably am not going to find the definition I'm looking for because I'm looking for a subset of the original. I'm looking for the theological definition of that term, which may not really exist yet. Because these days, deconstruction is used more in that context than any other context. Or maybe it's just the world that I'm part of, and that's why I hear it explained that way more often. Now, it's, it makes total sense that this is the word they chose, because spiritual or religious deconstruction is often kicked off when a person identifies contradictions in their belief system. Sound familiar? Back to that original, simple explanation, right? In this setting, people with a specific religious tradition start looking at the things that they were taught or the things that they thought were true, and they find some contradictions. These contradictions lead to negative emotions, feelings of irritability, frustration, or even anger, which then leads them to start deconstructing or removing things piece by piece that don't seem right, things that don't seem like they should be there, maybe things that they now view as false beliefs. In this way, the word deconstruction has been co-opted by the religious community, if you will. And not a specific religious community, it can be seen in many religious communities, for sure in the evangelical Christian church, but Southern Baptist, Mormon, Judaism, you name it. And somebody is in the process of deconstruction within that church. Now, similar to the idea of people being woke or people experiencing awakenings, like we talked about before, deconstruction is not a new concept. In fact, since the dawn of time, I believe that this is a natural and logical process, right? People are taught certain things, and then at some point in their lives, they reevaluate and determine for themselves if they truly believe that thing. This happens on an interpersonal level, but it can also happen on a corporate level, right? Where an entire group of people shift from believing one thing to believing something new or something different. So I definitely wouldn't consider deconstruction a new thing, right? A, something that has just started in our day and age. Now let's look back at the story of Jesus in the Bible. To me, this is a perfect example of deconstruction. In fact, I think we could refer to Jesus as the master deconstructionist. Not that he was deconstructing himself or his beliefs. Uh, you know, we believe that Jesus was perfect and therefore he already had the truth within him. But he literally led a deconstruction movement throughout his lifetime. You could say that he was woke in his day, and he was calling those around him to be woke as well. Need examples? Well, it's no secret that Jesus broke through all sorts of cultural norms, deconstructing them as he went. He deconstructed the animosity that existed between Jews and Samaritans. He deconstructed the treatment of women, right, elevating them in a culture where they were second-class citizens. He deconstructed the legalism, religious perfection, and uh, hypocrisy of the ruling of religious leaders. He deconstructed a long list of legal laws, replacing them with one concept, love. And that's, I mean, I could go further, but those are all obvious signs of deconstruction. So let's talk a little bit more about how woke and deconstruction might overlap. So here's a couple of observations. My first observation is that the two are not all inclusive. In other words, not all woke people are in the process of deconstruction. Similarly, 
not all people in the process of deconstruction would be considered woke. So the best illustration of this is to view it in a Venn diagram, right? So each concept is represented by a circle and each of the circles overlap each other a little bit. So you have two separate elements, but you also have this overlapping section. And in this series, I'm making the case that the overlapping section is a thing, a pretty big thing, actually, that both are happening in our culture at the same time. And I believe that the two are connected at the hip spiritually. Now, as we've discussed, being woke spiritually is an important thing, but just as important could be this whole process of deconstruction where a person dusts off the religious beliefs they were taught as kids, right? Making sure that they aren't bogus, making sure that we aren't living a lie, making sure that we're not viewing the world through a broken filter. And this is more likely to me in the U.S., the good old U.S. of A., than just about anywhere else on earth, because we live in a historically Christian country. A huge percentage of the population would say they believe in God. A lot of them may have been raised in traditional religious homes. So the number of people in a position to walk through the deconstruction process is very large. And as these people deconstruct their religious beliefs, I would suggest that they're often viewed as woke for sure by the religious community that they're part of. Now, this isn't the good version of woke, of course, like we said, right? In this setting, being woke suggests that the person is bad, immoral, or in some way defective because of their deconstruction. Throw in the political climate today and the polarization that we see and the religious overtones of certain political parties, and it's just the perfect storm. Second observation, there are numerous deconstruction outcomes. In other words, all people deconstruct in a different way. Everyone moves away from their religious tradition in different ways, right? So there are those who will continue to remain within their religious tradition, right? Just with a slightly adjusted view of that belief system. Next, there are those somewhere in the middle, people who struggle with staying connected, maybe because so many of the beliefs seem a little suspect to them. And then there are those who will give it all up, throw in the towel and never look back. And obviously there's everything in between. My third observation is that there are numerous woke outcomes as well. In other words, in this overlapping section of people who are going through both deconstruction and considered woke, there will be different levels of wokeness, to use that word that probably isn't even a word, right? There will be people who maintain certain spiritual beliefs and start a more spiritually woke lifestyle. And there will be people who give up all of their spiritual beliefs and become woke on a more cultural or political level. And, and then, like I said, there's every possible scenario in between. Now, I'm not going to sum it all up by saying you have to be a certain thing, right? That literally goes against every concept that there is of being woke, which is a focus on what? Social justice people's rights, people's desires to be themselves, inclusion. So on some level, you do you. But at the same time, that doesn't mean we just throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? If there is a higher standard, if there is a way to transcend human, um, if there is a way to rise above the human condition, we should at least acknowledge it, right? We should at least raise the bar and suggest that it would be better to head that direction if possible. So let me paint that picture, even though it's not my picture. I mean, I'm not there yet, so it can't be my picture. 
I'm on this journey just like you, just like everyone else. But what could this picture look like? Simply put, what would Jesus do? I know, I know, that's so 1990. <laughs> Did I pull out my WWJD bracelet and put it on in order to write this episode? No, of course not. But let's look past the stereotypical jargon, past the bracelet, past the teeny bopper Christian who just came off a spiritual high at a conference weekend. And let's look at the truth behind that message. Now, there's no way to capture every aspect of Jesus's life, right? All of the different things that he represented when he was on earth. But let's just grab two. So first, he made it very clear that religions go off the rails, right? You have to get back to what matters most. This is the whole concept behind deconstruction. Second, he made it obvious that people matter more than politics or religion. Love is the answer and will triumph through all. That's the whole concept behind being woke. But let's look at each a little closer. So Jesus made it clear that deconstruction is necessary on some level right? But that it didn't require us to leave the church. In other words, living life in a community of faith is not the issue. You just need to boil all of the religious mumbo jumbo down into the core elements of your faith and stick to those. In the other episodes where we talked about deconstruction, I split it out into two very distinct things. We talked about deconstructing your religion and deconstructing your faith. And we really talked a lot about those two and what they mean. So deconstructing your religion is what we're talking about today, right? This is the good thing. It's what we're talking about. It's weeding out religious traditions for true faith, the true elements of our faith. Deconstructing our faith is not what we're looking for, right? To deconstruct our faith is to deconstruct absolute truth. It's to turn our backs on something that exists whether we like it or not. There is no good outcome in this scenario. I mean, there may be peace in this life because you've chosen not to believe in anything. But what, I mean, what's the end result, right? At the end, you forfeit a life after death. You forfeit eternal life. Next, if we follow Jesus's example on being woke, we choose some difficult things, right? We, we give up some of our rights. We put others before ourselves. We start viewing all people as equal. We start breaking down some of those walls and barriers that we've built up to make ourselves look so good. We start looking for ways to serve others um, rather than to get things or receive things. This whole loving lifestyle is kind of woke, right? This is the woke thing that we're after. This is what it means to be spiritually woke. Number two, the transcendent spiral. So last week, we went into detail about spiral dynamics and how crazy it is that this theory seems to define the various stages or spirals that we are on as individuals, organizations, and even societies and countries. It's a sweeping theory, uh, an all-inclusive theory, an umbrella theory, if you will, that does an amazing job in these three areas. First, it seems to sum up everything we've seen in the past. Not only the past in our own life, but the past in history, like looking back at the civilizations that have existed on earth since the dawn of time. Number two, it seems to describe everything that we see going on right now. 
Like when you look at a person, when you look at a country, when you look at an organization, you can literally place them into one of the spirals based on the behavior and the attitudes that, that exist therein. And then finally, it seems to predict a way forward, right? To suggest where we're headed as we grow and become more self-aware. However, as we discussed last week, spiral dynamics is not a religious, spiritual, or Christian view of the world. It's very scientific in nature, right? It's based on ideas from humanism or other past psychological thought and theories, very academic with very little spiritual significance. So then how can or should someone with spiritual beliefs view spiral dynamics? I'm so glad you asked because I'm going to propose a new variation, a new variant, if you will, of spiral dynamics, one that includes the spiritual element. Now, before you get too excited, I haven't spent months thinking about this. I haven't spent months researching it, fleshing it out, coming up with details, right? This is literally something that I came up with in the shower, something that I want to throw out there at least to start a discussion so that it's out there, right? So I'll call it the transcendent spiral just for the fun of it. But at the end of the day, it's really my brain's attempt to superimpose my Christian belief set over top of the spiral dynamics theory. So here we go. First, I'm going to adjust the tiers, right? So in the original spiral dynamics, we talked about tier one consciousness and tier two consciousness. So I'm going to add one. So we're going to have tier one, tier two, and tier three. Just to refresh on tier one. So tier one is absolute thinking, personal scarcity mindset, focused on the immediate things like subsistence, tangible things. Um, that's tier one. Tier two is relative. It's transpersonal. It's an abundance mindset. It's focusing on the future, states of being, more intangible things like the continuity of our species, right? It's more, more head knowledge, more brainy living in your head versus just the physical physicality of tier one. And then I would suggest adding tier three. And I'm going to call it transcendent or omnipersonal, a universal mindset, access to all knowledge, the ability to see past and make sense of everything. So let's walk through each of the tiers based on the, the colors that we know are there and colors that I would suggest we add. So in tier one, nothing changes, right? We still have the six colors, beige, which is survival, purple, which is security, Red, which is energy, blue, which is order, orange, which is success, and green, which is community. Next, in tier two, I added one. So yellow already existed. It's considered synergy. Turquoise already uh, existed, which is holistic approach to life. But I would suggest that we add violet. And I'm going to call this the spiritual level or spiral. So what this looks like is being fully connected to the spiritual realm, allowing a refined spiritual energy to drive our thoughts and behavior, giving up some of our rights in order to defer to more spiritual truths or a, a spiritual path, a willingness potentially to be persecuted for those beliefs. And finally, viewing death more as a transition versus the end of something. So that's violet within tier two. 
Next, let's go to tier three. So this one would be brand new and I'm suggesting a new color. I'm suggesting it's white and I'm gonna call this one glorification. So this is moving from our earthly body to a perfect heavenly body. Ascension to the heavenly realm, a thousand year reign in heaven called the millennium, and then eternal life here on earth. Now I put all of those things and clump them all into one spiral called glorification because my thought is that once, you know, from a Christian perspective, once you have died and gone to heaven, you're a new, a perfect being. So at that point, is there really any room for another spiral? Is there any room for growth? And who knows, maybe in my limited capability of understanding heaven, I don't understand that there will be. Maybe tier three could have six spirals, six colors, where we learn various things over time in heaven and become more and more and more knowledgeable. Who knows? But for now, that's what I'm, that's what I'm adding. So you have tier one with six spirals, tier two with three, and tier three with one. I thought that was kind of cool how it goes from six to three to one. Anyways, there you have it. In my limited time and with very little research, this was my take on an updated version of Spiral Dynamics, one that incorporates the, the following Christian concepts, right? So the idea that Earth was created by an intelligent designer, we call that person God. Um, the idea that Earth is currently in a state of imbalance because of Satan, the sin virus, the fall, etc., etc. Next, the belief that God sent Jesus to be the antidote to the sin virus, offering everyone on earth an exit strategy. Then that there is a coming cosmic climax so that the, the idea that life on earth will at some point come to an end and God will return and remove the sin virus once and for all, which then ushers in this thing called eternity or what Christians refer to as heaven. And to oversimplify a little bit, those who accepted the antidote to the sin virus will live forever in an environment where the sin virus no longer exists. Now, I know that this starts to sound very exclusive, right? This is actually one of the reputations that Christians get because they make way too much out of this whole concept of being saved and having to be a Christian to be saved. You know, it becomes all about Jesus and you have to believe in Jesus. And the only way you get to heaven is if you believe in Jesus. Extremely exclusive, right? And this is where Christians get a bad name much of the time because it suggests that Christians are the only ones who are going to go to heaven and that everyone else is going to hell. And if you're stuck in the blue spiral, right, focused on order, rules, rigid standards for living, all of that, this makes total sense, right? This just, it's par for the course. Life is one big high school and you have to be accepted into the cool kid clique in order to be someone. But as you work your way through the spirals, right, when you when you move up into the tier two level consciousness and you get to, let's say, yellow, you start to put blue in its rightful place. You start to view everyone right where they're at and you find value in those people no matter what they believe or what the spiral they're dealing with, what spiral they're stuck on. Now, this might sound a little woo-woo here on earth, right, that a person can become that loving and that all-inclusive. But if it's possible, 
as a sinful human being, think how much more of this God is probably capable of, right? If, if we are truly to believe that God created us, right, that we're his kids created in his image and that he loves us with a perfect love that we can't even imagine right now, what do you think he would do to win us back? I mean, just think of yourself as a parent. If it was up to you whether or not your kids made it to heaven, wouldn't you move heaven and earth to try to figure out how to get them there? And, and that's with a limited earthly mentality. But think about God. Think about the God of the universe and the, uh, the immense power that he has. What would he do? What would he be capable of uh, in order to help get each of his kids safely home? I mean, I don't believe that we fully understand the ways that God connects with people and his ability to connect with a person and read their hearts and their intentions. First off, um, you know, you have all of the people who lived and died before Jesus ever died on the cross, right? There were different ways an Israelite showed that they believed in him than we do today. Then there are people outside of that religious tradition, right? People who are in the Bible because of their faith or something that they did that they didn't even understand. Like think about Rahab, right? The, the woman who lived in Jericho, who helped the Israelite spies get out of the city. The Bible explains that she and her family were saved because of their heroic actions. Think about that for a minute. How many people have there been in the world who have done something right in a difficult situation, all because they were prompted to do so by their conscience, because God prompted them to stand up for him, and they did it without even knowing why or what they were doing. Could it be that there will be thousands of people in heaven someday because of situations like this? People who never even heard the story of Jesus dying on the cross for their sins. And then there's the, the mounting number of stories that we're hearing coming out of the Middle East, right? Stories from Muslims who report seeing a man in a white robe standing before them, asking them to leave what they know and believe in him. Would it chap your hide if you got to heaven and met hundreds of thousands of people who are in heaven because of this very experience? And what about the millions of people who are part of the Buddhist tradition or the Hindu tradition? Don't you think that God has a plan for them as well? A way that we may not even know about, but a way that would allow them the same opportunity to choose eternal life with him? I think we put God in a box in our finite little Christian brains, right? We feel so special and we assume that everyone needs to be just like us in order to make it to heaven. But this, my friend, is the perfect example of what it means to live fully in the blue spiral and choose not to transcend. For me, spiral dynamics helps me understand a few things very well. First, it suggests growth and forward momentum. It suggests that we need to keep moving, keep learning, and keep growing. That what we currently understand is limited at best. There is so much in front of us, so keep an open mind and be open to change. Number two, it suggests inclusion versus exclusion. So on our journey through the spirals, it's very important to understand that each spiral is not the destination. Our journey isn't linear like so many other things in life. This is why the colors are called spirals instead of levels or phases, right? Because a spiral keeps going around. It keeps building on itself, right? Building on what's below it. And without the lower spirals, there would be nothing to hold us up. When you move into the yellow spiral, 
You don't just remove all of the colors below you from your tool belt and become 100% yellow. You've simply opened up to a new level of understanding. Your mind has been freed from a few more of the chains that hold it down. But you're not a new person. You're the same person. You just have an upgraded operating system. You now have a few more features to offer the world. The old features are still there, and they help you function correctly, but the new ones have allowed you to do new things. And finally, number three, the importance of synergy with others. Now, this is what's called the radical shift, moving from tier one to tier two consciousness. The yellow spiral is when you stop looking at people based on who they are, what color they are, what gender they are, uh, what color spiral they're in, and what they can do for you. Instead, you begin to think bigger. You start to think synergistically, right? The whole idea that when we ascend to the next level, we don't leave others in the dust. When we ascend, we still have all of the spirals below us and within us. At any moment, we can revert back to a lower spiral and act in that manner. So even if you're at yellow, um, if, if you go through a very difficult time, your red can come out like a lion and cause problems for you, right? Because all of those colors are still within us. And when we begin to understand that, that we can revert back to a lower spiral at any point in time, we begin to view everyone in the same way, right? That we're all on the same journey based on our life conditions, the life conditions we face, and our mind's abilities to make sense of those life conditions. People are currently where we used to be. So why not love them well? Why not help them along in their journey? All right, let's land the plane. So this is our final episode of the Transcending Woke series. Uh, I know it got pretty deep at times, but hopefully it helped you see the concept of being woke in a whole new way that you were able to see how much deeper it is, right? That there's so many other factors that play into that word or that concept, right? That there is the cultural and political version of being woke, but there's also a much more important version, becoming spiritually woke. For me, the path to becoming spiritually woke included going through that exponential change I talked about for the past four years, feeling as if I experienced an awakening of sorts, understanding spiral dynamics and where I'm at personally, um, the systemic deconstruction of the unnecessary religious elements in my life, and finally, allowing both spiral dynamics and my core Christian faith to suggest a new path, a new way forward. I hope me walking through this for myself was helpful for you on some level because everyone has a different story, right? Everyone has a different life experience and a different way of understanding it. But hopefully some of these ideas are generic enough to where they resonate on a, on a foundational level, suggesting the path that we're on together and possibly suggesting next steps for you in your journey. So this week, wrestle with the following questions. First, are you a specific religious tradition? Or are you in one, I guess I should say? If so, where are you at with that religious community? Are things going well? Are things not going well? Um, have you deconstructed some of the things that you were taught or you thought were true? Or do you even need see the need for that in the future? And if you're not part of a religious community, is there anything else in your life that you've had to deconstruct? Number two, 
based on my adjusted view of spiritual dynamics, what do you think about the transcendent spiral? What are your thoughts on the additional tier two and tier three elements? And on this new platform, where do you see yourself, right? Where do you feel like you function most of the time? Where's your, where's your center of gravity? And finally, based on everything we've talked about, do you consider yourself woke culturally, politically, spiritually, all of the above? <laughs> all right. So this episode went a little long. Um, so I'm just going to leave it there, but I want to thank you so much for joining me on this journey. It was so much fun. I, I know it got a little deep. It got a little kind of crazy at times, but, but hopefully it was, uh, as good for you as it was for me, the series. And, um, you know, these three episodes did take a little bit longer than some of my other episodes. It's crazy how fast I can spit out an episode these days. Uh, just a, a normal kind of felt need topic. It just rolls out of my brain with frightening speed. But this series, these episodes took a little bit longer, a little more effort, uh, quite a bit of research and a lot of quiet time, really, you know, just sitting under these ideas and trying to make sense of them as they were swirling around in my brain. Um, but like I said, I'm, I'm happy with the way they turned out, and I'm really glad that we were able to, to have this conversation. Next week, um, I'm literally just going to leave this wide open because I have no idea what I want to do next. Um, I have the folder full of other topics. It would be very easy to just grab one of those and keep moving. Um, but like I said, in the minute of transparency, um, I am going to be in Indiana this week. So I'm leaving it open intentionally in case something happens in Indiana that just sparks an idea for an, for an episode. And I want to see what it might look like to, you know, do a remote episode, maybe, uh, take my microphones and stuff and just knock something out there. Um, so I don't know. We'll see what happens. But until then, thank you so much for joining me. Um, like I said, it's been great having you here um, this week. Be as woke as you feel comfortable. <laughs> and as always, keep transcending you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. If you're interested in the show notes for this episode, head on over to transcendhuman.com forward slash podcast and navigate to the episode you're looking for. On the website, you'll also find blog posts, podcast series, and other helpful resources to help you navigate the Transcend Human ecosystem. You'll also find links to our social media channels, and as always, if you have questions, feel free to contact us at info at transcendhuman.com. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you back here on Monday morning.